You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast on a sermon series entitled Breakthrough. I, I think I prayed for my son Taylor for 21 years every day. I prayed that he would be covered by the blood of Christ. I prayed that God would keep him safe. I prayed that he would grow to be a godly man. And I believed those prayers. And I believed that God heard those prayers. But it appeared that those prayers weren't answered at all when on one terrible night, Wendy called, and I'll never forget the words she said. She said, Taylor isn't with us anymore. Taylor is with Jesus. And those Words are life-shattering words. Those words, if you let them, are faith-shattering words. And later, as we found out what had happened, that he'd been shot and killed, we thought, wow, what about prayer? And I thought to myself, did those prayers really matter? Did God really hear me? And sometimes it's hard to know how to live in faith. It's hard to know how to pray in faith. And, and, and I ask myself sometimes, that when, when does praying in faith become presumption on God? And at the same time, when does relinquishing to God's authority and sovereignty become praying with a lack of faith? But still, in the midst of all of that, we know that prayer is a remarkable privilege. It's an honor. We can can commune with the God of the universe with honesty and personally and from the deepest desires of our hearts. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to pray. And I want to encourage you that your prayers do make a difference. And as I've gone on this journey and wrestled with God, I have come to the place where I have no doubt that prayers do matter. That there is a reason to pray. But even more this morning, I want you to break through a perception that maybe you're not good enough to really move the heart of God. Or maybe because God isn't answering that you're praying the wrong thing. I want you to move through the perception of powerless prayer. And this morning I want you to know that your prayers do matter. They do make a difference. And so let's take a look at a passage this morning that I think is fascinating. In Matthew 6, beginning in verse 6. So open your Bibles there if you would please. Matthew 6, and we're going to go through 6 through 8 today. It's on page number 811 if you want to grab the Bible in the seat back in front of you. Matthew 6, 6 through 8. The Ridgewood app is also available. You can just push on media to the study guide and to today's date. All the scriptures there for you. So in this section of Matthew, Jesus is talking about prayer and he affirms that prayer can be honest and personal and that God knows what we need and that our prayers 
really do matter. And so take a look at the text with me, Matthew 6, 6 through 8. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so, before we discuss the results of prayer, before we talk about breaking through the perception of powerless prayer, let's talk for a moment about methodology. And the first thing I want to say to you this morning is that there is no magic formula to getting prayers answered. And so I want to relieve you of the burden of praying yourself to the bone, trying to get God to answer you or listen to you or to help you feel worthy of even saying those prayers. That's not what Jesus is saying matters here. And that's what pagans do. And so the first point I want to make for you this morning is that effective prayer isn't meant to be showy or self-aggrandizing. That's not the way we pray. And the illustrations in this particular chapter are of the right way to pray and the wrong way to pray. And if you just look at verse 5, Jesus is talking about the wrong way to pray, and he's railing against the Pharisees here, verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So that's the wrong way to pray. But immediately following this package of verses, and we don't have time to unpack this today, is the description of the Lord's Prayer. How do we pray the right way? And amazingly, what we'll see is many of the same concepts that are here. That prayer is meant to be private and intentional, and it's meant to to contain an awe of God, the one that we're praying to, and that God already knows what we need. And so our prayers really do matter. Now back to 6 through 8, the term Gentiles here in verse 7 is the Greek ethnikos, which denotes the heathen or the pagan or the Gentile. It's simply a non-believer. But Jesus now has expanded beyond verse 5 from the hypocritical Pharisees to all non-believers. And the problem outlined here by Matthew really goes to just senseless repetition. Now, I want you to hear me really clearly. What he's not saying, what he's not saying is that it's wrong to pray in public. He's not saying that you shouldn't pray with your friends or congregants. But what he's saying is that wordy prayers don't impress God. And long prayers don't impress God, or your articulate prayers don't impress God. John Calvin really put his finger on this, and I love this quote. The tongue does not go before the heart, 
Besides, the grace of God is now obtained by an unmeaning flow of words, but on the contrary, a devout heart throws out its affections like arrows to pierce heaven. It's really all about the heart for the Christian. And that's really what Jesus is getting at here. God is not impressed by how articulate you are. He's impressed by what's in here. Now, when Jesus is talking about going to a room and praying, he's likely, in this culture, referring to the one room in the house that would have been locked. It was the storeroom. No windows and locked doors. And so, if you were listening, you go, oh yeah, he wants me to go into the storeroom and pray. But of course, he's not literally saying you have to go into a particular room and you have to close your door and you have to lock your door and pray. What he's saying is, do it in a way where you're not performing, where you're not trying to impress people or even impress yourself with how wonderful you pray. So the proper method of prayer here is private and it's earnest. But again, we are to pray with others. We are to call people together for prayer. We, we, we are to pray publicly. The Bible's really clear on this. Let's take a look at a couple of examples. In Joel, I love this, they wanted to call everyone together, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Let's gather everybody. Let's fast. Let's pray together. It's very appropriate that we pray together as a group, as a congregation, with our families and friends. And speaking to Israel, Jesus said this, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so when these people were listening, these Jews that would become one day followers of Christ, he's teaching them that not that they had to have two or three in order to have God visit them, but that it's good to have two or three or more to pray. And so don't take this as me saying that you should push everyone away. But also, I want you to hear this clearly, God doesn't reward you more if you just pray longer. Or if you have better words. Or if you've learned prayer languages. God is concerned about your heart. And so the point here is that God always is about the heart and prayer matters because you matter to him. And so he's looking at your heart and he's saying he loves you, he values you, your prayer matters to him because of what's in here. And I want you to be encouraged because Matthew also puts this note in here that prayer done the right way incurs a heavenly reward. And so look at verse 6 again. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so there is a reward attached to this. Now, the wording here, the Father who is in secret, that just means he's concealed from the eye. We can't see him. And who sees in secret, that means his eyes miss nothing, will reward you. And Matthew's likely referring to the kind of heavenly reward that Paul would refer to. He alludes to this in verse 1, in verse 5. And here's, here's the truth of the matter. Those who pray to show themselves off do get a temporary reward. It's wonderful. 
feels good when people say, wow, man, you're a great prayer warrior. Or, oh, I love when you pray. Would you pray for us? That feels good. But what Jesus is saying is that's so shallow compared to what's waiting for you if you would just commune with God from your heart earnestly and honestly because that's what God is after. He's not interested in superficial prayer. He's interested in you. The words, he looks right inside of you and he wants to, he, he wants to know you. So, Again, it's not bad to pray aloud. It's not bad to pray with others. We should be, but we shouldn't perform because the real reward is waiting for us when we do it the right way. And now getting more to the point of how I know that prayer matters and how I can encourage you, the next thing we can see here is that you can pray with confidence because God already knows what you need. And I hope this is an encouragement to you because God will pay attention to your prayers. You can be assured of that because He's already aware of what you need from Him or, or need. In verse 8, do not be like them, those non-believers, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. There's nothing you can ask for that He doesn't already know about. God is sovereign. God is aware. So you, you're never going to surprise him. Whoop, what? You did that? Oh my goodness. And you're never going to disappoint him. And this is a problem for a lot of people, man. Like we're praying and we're going, I, I can't pray about that. That's embarrassing. He already knows. So he wants you to talk to him about it. And that's where we understand how much prayer matters because God knows already. And do you see how this all fits together? For someone that knows that God already knows, there's no reason to go on and on. There's a reason just to talk to God. When we sit down, we don't have to like, you know, bring out the thighs and the whatever those, you know, the old language. Just talk to God. Now, if you want to pray the way, that's fine. But, you know, short prayers are okay, too. I, I, sometimes people look at me and go, that was a short prayer. I go, I know. Like, so say sometimes, you know, hey, pastor, because pastors apparently have some kind of a line to God, like a red-hot line to Russia or something. Pastor, would you please pray over our meal today? Sure. Be glad to. Dear God, you know, thanks for our food and thank you for these fine people. Amen. They go like, well, I could have done that. And I go, exactly. You could have done that. Because God isn't impressed with how long or how many words we use. He's impressed by what it would mean what we say. So we don't want to partake in vain rituals. We don't need to pray louder or longer. God already knows. Look at a couple of scriptures that back this up. In Romans 8.27, And he who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So God already knows what's in our heart because the Spirit is interceding for us. The Spirit indwells us and knows every crevice of our spirit and being, even things that we don't know yet. 
And I take great assurance in this because there are mornings when I get up after praying and I have confessed sin, but I know there's a lot of stuff that I don't even know I'm doing. And I just take a lot of heart in the fact that God is covering that too because the Spirit is interceding for me. And then if you look here at these words to, from the psalmist, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. In other words, if you're going to worship idols on your own, or if you're going to go out and do, if you're going to go out and get drunk with your friends, if you're going to watch porn, if you're going to do all, do you not think that God doesn't know about that? Well, the same way when you're praying, God knows exactly what you need. And so even if you're not expressing it articulately, he's going to go, yeah, I got it. Because I love you. So God already knows what you need, but then the big, the big question just sits there, doesn't it? Why pray at all if God already knows? What's the, what's the point of praying? And here's my answer to you. It may not satisfy you yet, but we can pray knowing that God answers, and that's why we pray amongst other reasons, but this is going to encourage you, I hope, that God answers prayer as I explain what I'm talking about here. The very design of prayer answers that question, why pray? Because believers don't pray in this, with this idea that we're informing God of something he doesn't know. Or this idea that we can just annoy him so long he's finally going to relent and reluctantly do something that he doesn't really want to do. We don't have to pray that way. On the contrary, we pray with a heart full of gratitude, knowing that when we commune with God, our lives begin to change. We pray because our hearts are stirred when we pray. And we're, we're, we're stirred to seek Him in a deeper way. We pray to learn faith. While we meditate on his promises, I love when I hear people praying through Scripture because we're meditating and learning and communing with the beautiful Word of God. We pray to alleviate anxiety. Jesus said, why are you carrying those burdens around? Give them to me. We pray because we learn to trust. When his answer is no or not yet. We must learn to trust our God. And so prayer is highly effective and it matters. And, and we can live in this tension. And, and so many times, we as Americans, we don't like tension because we want it all to be wrapped up. Well, if that equals that and that equals that, then that must be the truth. There's no gray area there. Well, there's tension in Scripture. So, we can live in this tension of, I believe that God knows everything, and I believe that God answers my prayer. And that's a tension that's scriptural. But one thing I can tell you is as you go through the process of prayer, and as we understand how good God is and how sovereign God is and how much God knows about us and still loves us, then then I can't wait to bind myself with His Spirit. can't wait to pray because I get to be with God.
the God I love, the God I've given my life to. And so God does answer prayer. So did, did my prayers for my son matter then? Because that apparently didn't really work out very well. And the answer is yes. Did God do what I wanted? Nope. But I, but I don't see this as God letting me down. I, I don't see this as God not hearing. I see it as God working out his secret and sovereign will. And I've learned to trust that he knows best. And I take so much encouragement in the story of Joseph because there I see that real evil and real harm can be turned by God. And you know the part where Joseph is finally seeing his brothers and he confronts them in 5020. And he looks at them and says, you, you meant evil against me. And it's true. 100% true. I tried to kill him. But God meant it for good. There's the tension. right? We could spend all day. Well, how does that work? Just trust it. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And that's where I've landed in my life. And, and, and let me say it this way. God is involved with, with every prayer Every moment, every answer is best. Every time we commune with Him, we grow. Every time we're with Him, we're changed. And so prayer does matter. Even at the times when we walk out of the room and we say, wow, like I feel like my prayers hit the ceiling. And here's where I really take comfort, and I want you to hear this really carefully, because I think this is where sometimes we get off track, is that effectual prayer is not dependent on the prayer. And so I can work myself to the bone, trying to get God's attention, trying to say exactly the right words, when in fact, my prayer is dependent on the power of God and the sovereignty of God and the love of God. So I can simply pray and then I can step back and go, wow, you got this now. So prayer really does matter. It's, it's, it's important. And, and I, can, I can choose to believe in this. I can choose to believe God's power and His sovereignty or I can just tirelessly Try new formula after new formula and new words and then end up getting discouraged at the end and wondering why God hasn't intervened. There's no such thing as powerless prayer. And, and this passage in James is, 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 truth, is truth and it's, it's confirmation that we're not wasting our time. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Or as many of us memorized it, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, does this mean that God's going to heal everyone we pray for? Eventually, if they're believers, they'll be healed in heaven. 
But no, he's not going to. I've prayed this prayer over many a person in hospital beds. But I believe this line, the prayer of a righteous person has great power because the Bible says it does. And so when you're praying, God is listening. It is changing things. And to believe that is how we break through the lie of powerless prayer. And, and what Jesus is saying is, I want you to pray from your heart. Don't try to impress. Don't try to think that I'm really convinced if you just pray longer and harder. Pray with confidence. Tell me what you need. I already know. And then know that it matters. And so, I know that some of you are still going, wow, that's just not sure I really understand. Well, let me give you a few things that you can take with you as you get to your real life this week. Let me give you some gospel takeaways regarding the importance of prayer. And I, maybe I can just further refine this for you. But you are going to leave with questions because, again, the Bible doesn't always put things in a bow and wrap it up. But I can say that prayer does matter, and here's why. The first thing I want to take with you today is this, that you can pray and God will be honored because he commands you to pray. It's not optional. So, in other words, prayer is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. In Ephesians 6, we see how this is worked out and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people or praying for the saints. And so we are commanded to pray. And so prayer isn't optional. And, and God knew that this communion that we now have with him because of the work of Jesus Christ and his shedding of blood that tore the temple in the temple holy of holies in two so now we can enter in and have this relationship with God, it's needed for our spiritual health. And so we're commanded to pray. Secondly, prayer matters because it binds our heart to God's heart. Again, we can break through this idea that somehow God is surprised. He just wants to commune with us. He wants to be with us. We are his child. He loves us dearly. I like Tim Keller's take on this. Prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace, and the struggle of asking His help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. See, prayer is more than just hoping for an answer. Prayer is experiencing God. It's an encounter with God. And you can't encounter God and leave unchanged. And so don't let busyness steal away this time. Because we're commanded to pray. It helps us, our hearts to bind together with God's heart. And then we can understand that prayer helps give us wisdom and traction. And this is important because Satan is playing a game on you. Satan is pursuing you. Satan wants to destroy you. And so the place to go for wisdom, the place to go for sure footing and traction is prayer. 
And, and the Bible promises that when we ask for wisdom, that we will receive wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And there are other explicit promises in the Bible that we can pray and know that God will answer. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us for all righteousness. That's 1 John 1, 8 and 9. And so you can pray with confidence, with guidance and wisdom. And fourth, prayer matters because it really does change things. The Bible, in another James passage, helps us to understand that there are things happening that our prayers are, are enabling or doing. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. So quite obviously, obviously here, pray, prayer is having an effect. Now, you're saying or thinking, but you just said that God is sovereign and he already knows everything. And now you're saying that when we pray that, that somehow something's going to change. Let me try to explain it this way. And again, you've you got to live in tension because... Any illustration or metaphor you can use isn't going to be sufficient. But some, somewhere in eternity past, which in a statement itself is false because there was not a time when God did something outside. He's outside of time. But anyway, let's just look at it this way. So when he, when he founded his will, when he put together his plan, as he began to do that, the prayers of the saints... We're part of that process. So, the metaphor is this. And again, please don't hold me for the metaphor because I'm doing the best I can with this. Let's say you're making a pot of stew, which I never made in my life. So, I'm assuming you stir it, right? And I'm assuming you're looking at a recipe. I see this on the Great British Baking Show, so I know this now. Wendy watches it, I don't. So, you're stirring, you're putting your ingredients in, and one of those ingredients you put in, this is God, is the prayers of the saints. And so, the things we're seeing come to pass, the miracles that we experience, the, the, the things that are difficult, all of these are a part of our prayers, and our prayers have affected and are affecting that. So don't pray with this hopelessness of God's sovereignty wipes that away. And then, finally, I want to leave you with this. Prayer matters because it brings amazing rewards. And, and if, you, if you look at this, again, now that we've unpacked it, it's, it's a pretty amazing little passage. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. Let your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray earnestly and trust that God hears you. It's not a contest for who can pray best. I was praying with a guy one time, really nice guy. And he looks at me and he goes, wow. He goes, you can pray me under the table. I thought, what, is this a drinking game? Like, like, like we're praying. 
That's not what it is about. It's just praying our hearts because God already knows before we ask. Do I totally understand why, why my son was tragically taken even though I had prayed and prayed and prayed? No, I don't totally understand that. But I do trust that God knows what he's doing. I do trust that prayer brought me closer to God. I do trust that all of that time I prayed gave me perspective so that when the tragedy did happen, I was prepared because I knew God better because I had spent time with God. So prayer is life-changing, and it does matter. And I want you to break through any perception that you're not good enough to pray or that you have to pray better or differently or that your prayers just have a bit more weight than others because what God is looking at is the heart. And so why don't you just take a moment and do what I just said and commune with God. Ask Him, Lord, what is it in me that you would like me to change or how can I approach you in a different way? Or maybe there's a nagging prayer request that you're just saying, God, I don't believe you even hear me. Maybe you want to offer that up now with a new spirit, given the text we just read. And then I will close. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.